Hello, everyone. Welcome to Collisions YYC Current and Critical. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. Thank you for joining me today for another good old fashioned chat. Today's show is brought to you in partnership with Alberta IoT. A huge thank you to Brenda Beckendorf and her team for the work they're doing to establish Alberta as the worldwide center of excellence for the Internet of Things technology. Okay, before we go any further, IoT, you say? In an era of acronyms, it's never been easier to get lost in the weeds of jargon. Let's start with the basics. What is the Internet of Things? Well, IoT describes the network of physical objects, the things, that are embedded with sensors, software, and other technologies for the purpose of connecting and exchanging data with other devices and systems over the Internet. Thank you, Google, for that definition. Let's take it one step further. Think the smart thermostat in your home, the Apple Watch on your wrist, all the way to the remote sensors on a piece of equipment 100 miles from the nearest town. We are surrounded with sensors in all aspects of our life, and with the evolution of the Internet and our ability to bring all of those sensors together and then to process large amounts of data, the Internet of Things is being used to make our lives better, safer, make our companies more profitable, and the list continues. Alberta IoT was founded in 2017 by a group of passionate Albertans and has grown to over 175 member companies. These range from startups to established organizations who are pivoting and expanding into this exciting sector. At the core of the Alberta IoT approach is the ability for leaders to share a common voice and to support each other to grow as an entire sector. We are stronger together, and Alberta IoT has provided the platform and essentially the ability for these companies to come together to share that voice. From their fast track program, to their work with government, to helping increase visibility for local companies. They are at the intersection of this amazing growth opportunity. Join me as I chat with some of the zebras and soon-to-be unicorns in Alberta who are helping to put our province on the map as a global leader in IoT. To find out more about Alberta IoT and its member companies, as well as upcoming events, please visit their website at www.albertaiot.com. Hello and a warm collisions YYC. Welcome to Mr. Justin, Ka- sorry, is it Kasky? I should ask before we got on. Justin Kasky. Justin Kasky, yeah. How are you? I figure if I get the name right, it's the first first step into a good episode. How are you doing today, Justin, on this uh, sunny fall, crisp calorie day? <laughs> Pretty awesome. The uh, leaves are changing and uh, the with uh, school starting, business is starting to change too, which is pretty cool. Um, today's world changes every week, but uh, we're seeing a lot of change right now. So it's a good day. Yes, it does. No, I have had a few. I've had a few people on. I've had a few people chatting lately, and they said, "Oh yeah, it's September. Like it's it's a it's you feel the difference in business. People are back. People are slightly feeling like, oh, maybe I haven't done everything I needed to do through August because I kind of checked out. So yeah, there's a little buzz right now, which I'm I'm a big I'm a big fan of that September buzz. I yeah, like this it. is our busiest time of year always for between uh, the time school starts and the time budgets are published, um, and that's the busiest time of year for us because people are planning. Mm-hmm. They're, they're looking forward to next year and figuring out what they can do to. Uh, to create some value. Well, let's let's get right into it. You're part of our series where we're supporting companies that are involved in Alberta IoT. IoT is a an, an acronym that gets thrown around, Internet Internet of Things. But uh, as you listen, we'll kind of unpack it a little bit. But had the opportunity to speak with companies like yourself that are involved in the IoT space and also involved in making change and the economic transformation, which is the backdrop of everything we talk about here on the show. So patching, patching associates, acoustical engineering. So let's chat. Like we're in the elevator. We got 30 floors. Give us the quick spiel. What's patching all about? Um, yeah. Patching associates, acoustical engineering, fairly long name, um, long history as well. We've patching associates been around for 30 years. Um, and our team at patching associates, we work with the owners of facilities and the designers of infrastructure projects to understand and to manage and to mitigate the risk of noise emissions, so noise or sound pollution, um, from their projects, and uh, specifically the the risk of 
those emissions on the communities that they work in. Um, we're kind of at the intersection between the projects that drive the economy and uh, as a byproduct make some noise, tend to be a little bit noisy, and, and also the communities okay. and the people who want to enjoy uh, pretty cool quality of life here in Alberta. Um, yeah. Okay, so just so to put some context, this is this is much more about the interaction between the facility and how it's going with the outside environment. Is it also focused on the employees and the individuals that are inside working in the facility or is it more about, you know, I don't want to use the word no- is noise yeah, pollution the, word the right we word use, use? we use mostly. And it, there's a couple of different dimensions, our context. One is environmental noise. So how that noise affects people that live around a project or a roadway or a, a train or a, a pump station or a drilling rig. But the other context is the users, the people that use the space that we're involved with. So that could apply to workers on a, on a production facility that could work, apply to students at a school or the teachers at a school that are trying to create the best outcomes for, uh, for using the space. Could apply to a hospital or a doctor's office where speech privacy really matters um, and, and sound intrusion between different spaces mm-hmm. matters. So okay. it's kind of where the physics of sound, um, the art and the science of sound uh, kind of collides or interacts with how people experience the world around them of through our five senses, which one of them is. is. So I like how you took that all the way up to a large facility, to a highway, like putting in the ring road in Calgary and putting some of the sound suppression and those walls that we see go up right down to a private conversation that could take place in an office space or in a, in a doctor's office. You guys, you guys really work all the way up and down the scale wherever managing sound is, is a cornerstone or is, is a, a value proposition that you guys provide. Interesting. How much has your industry changed in the last, like you've been around 30 years, but even the last 10 years, I can only imagine it's been like insane how much it's shifted. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm been around uh, this industry long enough and our, the industries existed in Alberta. And that's part of, it's part of the story too, is that because Alberta has been doing um, innovation in whether it's the energy space or the transportation space for a long time, there's these, there's these kind of niche industries that have come up and ours is one of them. That is like sound and acoustics is something that Alberta is quite well regarded in globally. Uh, we've got a lot of experience, a lot of, there's there's best practices that have been created here in Alberta that apply to other industries. And um, how much that's changed over the 30 years Patching's been in business or the 18 years I've been working in this business um, is punctuated, really. I, I From my perspective, it's punctuated by the change in technology. So whereas we used to have to do everything manually, okay. we would be really limited on how much information we could provide or um, data we could gather and interpret and create insights from. We were really limited at the start of my career, but over the last five years for sure, and even 10 years, the way that we gather the information, the way that we gather the data and the technology that underpins that has evolved so much. So I we used to actually record sounds on a VHS tape and then go back and rewind and fast forward over the course of a night to try to find out if it was a cow mooing a coyote barking or a coyote calling to the moonlight, or if it was a, a rig making noise uh, in the background. Fast forward to now, digital, the digital transformation is huge. The amount of data we can gather and create valuable decision-making uh, insights from is exponentially more. Um, it's really cool. The amount of uh, value we could add just by leveraging technology is, is pretty cool. And uh, looking forward, it's even, it's accelerating right now. So, yeah. 
So when you look at, because IoT is a relatively new concept. I was chatting with someone today and they kind of laid it out for me in terms of like, you know, IoT essentially more so came out of the consumer side. And then industrial IoT is really what we're seeing kind of evolve in, in Alberta. So for you guys, even just, you know, going back to the basics of that term IoT, is that something that's a relatively new term for you guys in terms of how you look at your business? Or is it just a simple, you know, product of the fact that, like you said, technology is now conspired to allow you to just do so much more. So I'm always just curious around the term, because I always like to start at the foundations and helping people understand where this, you know, IOT concept came from and arguably ultimately why Alberta is so well positioned, I think, and certainly Alberta IOT, that's their position to be a leader globally. And you kind of said that in some of your comments, but just looking at this as an IOT play, is that like, when did that start becoming on the radar for you guys as an organization to look at it as that category or that kind of movement? Yeah, uh, I would say not that long ago, um, going from a, a traditional engineering company um, that that really really values um, and does a lot of our work is is done through humans applying judgment to the data that they have and doing the best they can with the data they have. That's always been, and that's the vast bulk of our evolution has been in that space. IoT was just some interesting and i and i i share that our observation with it seems like it started on the consumer side of things started to start it started to interest us uh, the chamber of commerce put on some pretty cool cool conferences i'm sure many people have attended the onward conferences and there's there's components of that where, where iot started to get talked about in the business community and then i'm a i'm a bit of a i'm not i'm not really a a, a tech guy but i'm 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 very interested in the in the doors that tech unlocks. So I used to go down to over the past few years before the pandemic, I would go down to CES consumer electronics show in, in Las Vegas. And that's full of IOT. There's a whole, there's whole conference centers associated with IOT. And that's the first, we really started to, to look at IOT and the potential uh, impact or opportunity within our business. So that's, that's over the past few years, but then, and then um, by chance, actually uh, got a, got an introduction to Alberta IOT to Brenda and uh, she shared with me the fast track program, and that's when IoT really hit our our, our radar. The concept of IoT was always there, and then in, in the fact in the in the way of kind of leveraging huge sets of data to make our work better, faster, and and more insightful. But it became real when we saw I over to IoT, and some of those things that were like almost like pipe dream future type ideas, suddenly with with Alberta IoT and with the the some of the uh, investment and energy and, and money that's going into the internet of things here in Alberta, especially on the industrial side, started some of those things became real. Interesting. So you were involved, were you one of the first cohorts to go through? Cause I know they just ran their first program of Jan was January of this year, correct? 2021. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We were lucky enough to get on the first fast track cohort. Yeah. We were part of that. So talking a little bit about that, because, you know, part of it is to, to help people understand kind of what that is and the fact that it isn't just for startups. A lot of times you see those programs, those incubators, but that's not what this was. From my understanding, this was a real melting pot of everything from startups to 30-year companies that were looking to pivot into the space, which creates a real, to me, that creates some interesting energy in the room where, yeah, we have experience, but we still might be coming new to this specific area. So just a little bit about the program itself in terms of the benefits that you guys got out of it and like, what was that experience like for you guys as an established company, arguably kind of moving into this new, new acronym slash category? Yeah, uh, there was a, there was a learning curve and it was, it was, it was truly excellent. The, um, in a few different ways, but 
it was definitely on the, we, we were an engineering company, so IOT wasn't, wasn't, we weren't in the IOT space, uh, but we saw the potential for, for, for IOT as effect on our business and actually through us, the effect on the impact on, on the clients that we serve and the communities we support um, to, to, space, to, make, to make life a little bit better. So that all got accelerated by the fast track program. Um, some of the, like I mentioned, it's some of the things that were pipe dreams are kind of on that someday list from a strategic perspective, all of a sudden became got fast forwarded, it got fast forwarded from a few different kind of coinciding ways. One is just plain old education. Uh, the, the, the content of the IOT program created that opportunity to just learn about the fundamentals, why IOT is going to change uh, things, um, whether that's from sales and marketing through how to retain knowledge within a company um, through legal, legal structures. It's pretty cool that way. But man, was there a connection to the actual cohort members. So the members of the, the, the first cohort the amount of conversations that went back and forth and those kind of that network of people that were either in either really ingrained in the IOT space and had that expertise in the area, which we didn't, or in, in working hard to apply the concepts of IOT to their businesses. And that network really advanced things a lot. So there's several initiatives that came from that someday list to the, actually we can do this now. We've got the confidence, we've got the knowledge, we've got the network uh, to do this stuff now. And that was really powerful. For you guys as an organization established with, you know, a group of engineers, people doing what they're doing. Was it a matter of just now, like you said, the art of the possible is huge. Like just seeing what is possible and then, you know, going, Whoa, wow, we could do that. Was it about, you know, from a staffing perspective and more importantly skills and the, 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 did you have to hire up new people to then move into IOT or was your existing team able to go, Oh wow. Okay. I really now see how this can infiltrate my world. I can skill up on a few things. Just thinking about always respecting companies. Sometimes it's easier to be a startup in some ways because you don't have those limitations of this is the way we've always done it. Everything is new versus a large organization that's pivoting, which is I think the buzzword of 2020 and 2021, having to hire new people or going, oh, wow, we have the skills here. We just didn't know about this. Now we can start apply it. So curious for you guys from a staffing slash talent perspective. Were you able to do it with the team you had, or did you have to then look at bringing new people on board to really take advantage of it? <laughs> what a what a an awesome topic there, and it, this is like this is the heart of our our pivot is that there's oftentimes disruptive technology and, and the Internet of Things is definitely in that space. Oftentimes disruptive technology can be viewed as kind of a negative in that it displaces existing processes, skill sets, and potentially people, or that's, that's one way to look at it. Uh, our way of looking at it is, is not that we actually see it as, as these types of disruptive technologies. And, and again, uh, the internet of things is, is prime there is that it, it, it helps existing skill sets, existing um, expertise, it amplifies it and it makes it more powerful and it helps it make more impact just because it's, it's has access to much more data. So all of those things that you mentioned at this, at, in the question is like, okay, do we, it's sometimes easier to do a startup than, than to pivot. Um, it's also 
sometimes easy to just keep doing the same thing. Our industry is fairly mature and we could keep doing the same yeah. thing. Um, we looked at all of them. Uh, we chose to take our existing company and, and pivot it. Um, partially because it's, it's, it's the confidence is there. We recognize um, all of the trends that are coinciding globally and in Alberta too, is that the, the, what's new, what's possible um, is really possible here. Uh, and it's, it's not something that can only happen overseas. It can happen here. With that comes some huge challenges. Um, and to get into your specific question, We've always been geared to be fairly innovative and our, our team is, our staff is geared towards that. So we see the future and the potential for change. So the, the team was already kind of ready, um, but we were missing some skill sets specifically on the, the software development side of things. Um, we we're working with uh, AI and machine learning a little bit, the concepts, trying to set up the, the digital databases to be able to absorb it at some point or take advantage of it at some point in time. But um, as part of the, actually as part of the fast track program, part of the introductions we got through the fast track program, we were able to take advantage of some federal grant money to hire people in that space, kind of to fill in those gaps. Uh, and that's what's really exciting now is that we can really preserve our current, our current skill sets, expertise, delivering value for our clients and transitioning the way we do projects on a daily basis and then we just add to it with new skill sets, uh, and that's tough to find. We had we had a little bit of trouble finding finding some of those uh, skill sets, specifically on the developer side. And of were things, you? Did you guys have to look outside of this market for talent? Like, are you? I'm assuming are you? And are you guys 100 percent based in Alberta? Sorry, I should have asked that early on. Well, yeah, and I, I should have mentioned it too. So we're uh, we're we're born oh, okay. in Alberta. Uh, 30 years uh, and then three years ago, four years ago now, we opened an office in Queensland, Australia as well. Uh, and we found is that because Alberta has got some, I mean, we've got just this, this mm -hmm. rich um, access to a lot of experience, especially on the energy side of things and energy innovation. Um, we found that that was, it was a good market in Australia because they were desiring that there was some projects there that really needed this level of expertise uh, so anyways, we opened an office, office in Australia. Um, as far as talent goes, we we, uh, we primarily looked in Calgary. Um, we did do a, this project that we're specifically working on now, which is like a, a three-dimensional geolocating, layering on acoustics or sound so we can improve efficiency okay. in the field when we're gathering information. Kind of like creating digital twins for, for facilities, but doing it with sound. Um, this project, specific project we hired, we got some grant money for, um, was actually, uh, we started it in Australia, and now it's back to Canada, uh, so we're kind of be able to bounce between the two offices. Now it's back to Canada to to develop, and we found somebody in Calgary okay. to do that. It could have been elsewhere. really curious about, you know, I love when you're in a, in a different market that's a drastically different market. How has uptake been at the client level? And like, you know, there's the old push-pull kind of mindset where clients are reaching out to you going, Hey, I'm aware of this new way of doing things. Are you guys able to supply it or, and, or you mentioned the concept of being a very mature industry where sometimes clients or your end user isn't, well, if any broke, don't fix it. This is working. We don't want to innovate. We don't want to change. I'm curious one, what's your experience been in that is like the push pull. And have you noticed anything different being in like the Australian market versus Canada? <laughs> yeah. Um, 
No, uh, many many of our, our really established clients, um, innovation or, or new new ways of doing things are is a strategic priority. It kind of falls up comes sometimes comes up short in that it's it's those companies are the same companies that they they love to they love to be first to be second and that they'll wait for somebody else to kind of <laughs> really develop it before they. It's a it's a pra- it's a practical application. It's pr- it's pragmatic. It's it makes sense, but it is a first to be second situation oftentimes so it's a matter of finding finding companies that are willing to take that kind of develop a develop a relationship to to take some some risks we found and the best practice that exist in alberta evolved over the past 30 years they only exist because somewhere along the way a company or 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 a, or, or a community or organization was willing to take that step so it happens here in calgary it sometimes it feels a little bit frustrating because it's slow but Looking back at it, it happens every single day. Every single project, there's a lot of those kind of risk-taking going on. Um, Sometimes it has to happen on a pilot project instead of this grand movement that's coordinated because part of the the reason it's effective or it's happening or the outcomes are the outcomes they are is because failures happen along the way. So it's better to have those little failures um, uh, on, on a smaller scale. So, And that's happening. We're grateful for some pretty awesome clients who are willing to do something a little bit different, um, find success in it, realize the outcomes are better, and then translate that into a best practice. That's that's now, as we put it into the context of Australia, the best practice that was established in Alberta, in Western Canada, because uh, Alberta and BC are, are doing things fairly similarly, even Saskatchewan in our, in our world. The best practice that were established over those micro risks over the past 30 years were ready-made for Australia. Um, and it kind of advanced that. So we believe there's other, there's other jurisdictions that are like that. And we're seeing, we do some work in the States too, and we're seeing the best practice that was established in Alberta applied to community engagement and engineering on um, facilities and, and projects in the States works really well. Um, and it provides better outcomes. So for them, it's a real advantage to partner with, a company out of Alberta or a Canadian based company, because we've already gone down that road. It, it's it, partnering with a company that has our roots here actually de-risks it for them to a certain extent, because these things have already been proven out. They, they're not the Guinea pigs in the, the test and learn environment. Guinea pigs is a bad word. <laughs> yeah, no, the test and learn environment. That's, that's, that's a great way to say it. Yeah. Cause the testing and the learning has already been done. And that's the, that's the, one of the, one of the aha moments you know, with, with the, it was actually during the fast track program is that there's, there's a, like an ecosystem for testing and learning, but it really only translates into value creation when the learning is captured. And I think that that's some, it's a little bit more philosophical, but that's something that I think we actually do pretty well at. Um, potentially there's not as much sharing as what, you know, it might be more beneficial to share those learnings a little bit more, especially intercompany or even with competitors or definitely amongst industry. Um, and I think there might be a role there for, I'm not sure if it's, if it's, yeah, I'm not sure if it's government. Uh, Alberta IoT definitely has a role there because the, the information and knowledge transfer that's going mm-hmm. on uh, is there, but that just accelerates it, puts us with us in a stronger footing for, for the future. I've had some guests on that have talked about that, about how much more prone to sharing our, 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 you know, 
our tech ecosystem and our new startup community is, but yet there's still a gap when you get to some of the larger, the kind of projects you deal with, large large CapEx style projects where there is still a little bit, it's not as collaborative. There is, you know, we've had a, this is a province where we fought for talent. We've fought for pieces of dirt. We've fought for things where being competitive is a real thing. And you don't always get that level of collaboration at that more larger enterprise level where I'm certainly hearing that, you know, in the ecosystem around anything startup or anything new, that there is a much more of a sharing community going on in Alberta and it's slowly getting more like that. So again, a bit philosophical, but since we've opened that, that can, I've definitely heard that it's getting better, but there still is a little bit like mine and ours, but in the new startup world, there's a lot more sharing because there's just so much learning that, that has to take place. Yeah, and and you know in our in our small example uh, in our small niche, um, we've seen it, and that's part of that kind of immune system response. There's an established way of doing things, um, but then there's the new way of doing things, and to transition the mindset from being very holding cards really close and uh, and and knowledge is scarce to knowledge is abundant and the internet is creating is, is demonstrating that for us every single day. If we, I think if we don't kind of shift our mindset to that abundance mindset, we're going to get, uh, we're going to get to get left behind by the rest of the world. And it's happening. It's happening. And if it can happen in a company like ours, a legacy company, that's got some very established ways of doing business, um, then it, it can happen in the industry at large. I believe anyways. Well, the concept we love the another buzzword for 2020 is 20 digital transformation. It's happening to every industry at a different timeline. Uh, and it can be good and exciting, or it can leave you behind. Like you said, you can, you know, get very comfortable resting on your laurels as an organization, just thinking about it. And, you know, at the risk of trying to be formulaic, when you think you guys are an established business, you're like, okay, we're going to, we, like you said, you thought about your different options. Do we rest on our laurels? Do we go here? Do we do a startup? You said, no, we're going to pivot. We're going to invest in this. Do you guys, did you, was it pre-planned in terms of like, we're going to put 20% of our team's time into R&D and figuring out new things. And, you know, there, it's great to find a partner where you can test stuff, but sometimes there is that internal R&D that needs to go on to even have a kind of uh, a prototype of an idea, you know, a proposition, a thesis statement to put out there. So for you guys as an organization, were you very deliberate about that or was it more organic in terms of how you started to go, okay, we've now seen the other side, we've looked behind the curtain. How do we now actually start to invest in that so that we're ready to come to the table with these pilot projects? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a cool question. Our, our digital transformation uh, started it was about five years ago now uh, where we realized that we, we, there's a, there's some pretty good opportunity to, if we do uh, kind of embrace that change and transform digitally. That's what started with. And again, I, I mentioned earlier that the, the Calgary chamber of commerce was really at the time, really kind of promoting that type of thing and provided a few programs for that. Those were all the seeds to, to what's happening now. Um, so at that time uh, we, we consciously chose to, set aside about, and it was, the goal was 10% for basically innovation, R&D, innovation, working on cool new stuff that will impact the future. And another 10% was was set aside for team health type stuff, um, which is, it, it's, it's, it's like a crossroads that the, the best ideas come from, from our team members uh, who are kind of on the ground seeing the problems identifying and identifying the solutions as well. So we, we set aside the time uh, to one, make sure there's good team health and two, uh, the, ten, the other 10% was to basically spend dedicated time to creating new stuff or 
experimenting. Uh, and that's been fairly consistent. Um, during the, the, one of the things about uh, the pandemic is that work became a little bit more um, hit and miss. So it was, it was very volatile. We would be absolutely swamped and then stop work altogether. The nice thing about that, and, and the nice thing about, about doing a digital transformation inside of an existing legacy company is that, is that there's a revenue stream that's there already. So what we found is that, and things have been pretty volatile in Calgary for, for quite a while. So we took the downtime, the times where we're not doing revenue generating projects. Our team was then got the green light to experiment, uh, to create, to innovate, and to do research and development. We found that that kind of sweet spot allowed us to, to make some advances during the downtimes while still having a revenue stream to keep people employed and, uh, and, um, and in Calgary, uh, a lot of cases. So uh, that's been working pretty well for us. The mixture has been about 10% for R&D. In, during the pandemic, it was way higher. It was 30, 40% at times. Uh, and that's been great because some of the things that were, were like ideas, they were, they were year three of our digital transformation got fast forwarded to year zero. Either right now we can, we can act on them. Uh, and, and actually, yeah, the fast track program accelerated that in a great way because it also, instead of us doing it internally, it exposes us to a network of companies that, and experts that can help us, um, advance it fast. And I think that's happening in a lot of companies right now that this pandemic advanced technology and people's companies willingness to adopt new technology, uh, in a big way. Uh, and it's, it's, it's pretty exciting. I also choose to find as many silver linings as possible. And, you know, that concept of, geez, if I, you know, when I have time, I'll work on that new idea. It's like, well, we got nothing but time. So let's, let's do it. And we've got focused and dedicated. I meant to ask just to give context, how big is, how big is your team? So right now we have 20 people between here and here or Calgary and, and Brisbane. Yeah. Okay. And, and that's were been, you able to keep everybody on? It sounds like you kept everybody pretty engaged for the pandemic. We did a good job. Uh, we, we did have, we did lose a few great people um, to, um, to other industries uh, and to other, actually to other cities as well. But uh, yeah, we were, we, we did a pretty good job. Um, of course, we'd love to have everybody still here. Um, and then we ended up uh, hiring some new people, which are which are great additions to our team, kind of some new ideas, which are really accelerating how we're how we're doing things now. Um, and I should mention, in Australia, we've doubled in size just because it's it's we're able to kind of we're finding we're finding uh, connection between the best practices that were evalu- uh, created here in Alberta, and we're finding great uh, a great market there to kind of export that expertise. Uh, to Australia. So we're growing in Australia as well. I really appreciate Well, certainly I know one of the mandates, Brendan and I have chatted at length about, you know, set, having Alberta recognized as a center of excellence for IoT. Hearing you talk, there sounds like certainly in the in the sound and the acoustic and the, in the world that you live in, there is definitely a, a, a best practice or a, a tier of quality of work and, and know-how in our province that does set us up on kind of on the global stage. So if you look at that going forward, when you hear that, you know, Alberta, the center of excellence for IOT, does that resonate with you? And uh, yes or no curious. And also uh, where can we, where can we, like, is there anything holding us back from your perspective, you know, government regulations, just having a better brand out there in the world? Like what are your views on kind of that? Cause anything that's pro Alberta is definitely fits on this podcast, but really curious. I also want to get into the brass tacks of like, well, if that is true, then what can we do to accelerate it? Yeah. Our, um, our example in, in, in our, in our niche, which is acoustics, and I should mention our our niche is growing. And this actually might be an example that's, that 
that answers your question. It's that Alberta is a position because we've, we've there's there's still there is a lot going on in Alberta. Whether it's a lot of innovation or a lot of activity or a lot of employment, it's there's a lot going on, and that type of I guess churn or activity um, makes innovation or adoption of new things faster in my world, especially if we can capture the learning and share it. Hmm. So, so an example of that is that, um, um, in our world, so we've done, we've done acoustical consulting for the last 30 years we've done. So it's essentially, we gather information about noise, about sound, and we figure out and give it context to how people perceive it or how it might impact the acceptance of a project or even society's acceptance of a project, because these types of things like noise, mm-hmm. and I'll give an example with light pollution in a second, but these types of things tend to be kind of irritants or obstructions or friction as far as building building economic activity. So if our goal is to eliminate those frictions and to help, help whether it's a company or a community, really understand and eliminate or make better those types of frictions, essentially to have development happen more effectively for everybody. So the example that I, 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 I'm keen to share is that our, our start was in noise and it's, there was a demand there because people were annoyed by noise and it could, there's something that could be done about it because there's engineering that could go into it to make it better. A lot of the data sets that we use for noise to do our craft, um, like whether it's a three-dimensional model or uh, inventory of what the equipment is or, or looking at layers of past data to give insights on what we can expect in the future for a certain certain type of equipment or facility or even roadway. Um, the, the principle and concept that was developed there uh, applies to other nuisances. So we, we've recently done projects that, that do also light pollution. Um, and what we're finding is light pollution is a new, a new skill set or another domain but it's the best practice that were established for noise and the, the process for creating credible engineering advice are the same processes. The physics are different because it's light instead of noise, but it's applicable. And it's just a small example of how with, with a, a little bit of room to grow, uh, and Alberta provides some good, good place for that, um, and some fairly progressive... Um, Alberta cares about not just... And, and, and Western Canada as well um, cares not just about the developing the resources or develop the, the development side of things. It also cares about the people's quality of life and that those two constraints kind of collide to make, to create these best practices. So, so we have that opportunity to um, use that desire to, to make things better uh, to our advantage, I think. Um, that might have been one of the rabbit holes we got down there, but uh, um, did I touch on the question <laughs> a little bit? It it ha- a, l- a little bit. So definitely, I do I do really appreciate you know what we hold important. We hold you know these things together: the quality of people's lives, and then all the things that influence them. And then we have a relatively open you know organizations, companies, thought leaders in this province that are open to that change which really sets us on a path here to 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 prove out some of these new technologies. Is there anything that's that's kind of gets in the way? Is it regulatory? Is it access to funding? Sounds like you had access to a lot of grant programs that allowed you to go forward. Like I'm always curious if there's anything we could magic wand and kind of knock out of the way which would allow Alberta to move forward in these different sectors. What would it be? 
curious, is it anything that you run into that's been kind of a roadblock? Yeah. Can it look at it that way? Uh, the, so part of the thing, uh, Alberta has a, is fairly practical or pragmatic on, on the regulatory side of things. So there is some flexibility built into how, how development is regulated. Um, which means it sometimes is driven by by social media or by those types of things. Um, so it, it does that mm-hmm. does social social license social license social proof. Uh, it creates some not having those or having that flexibility flexible framework creates some regulatory risk whether it's on the ESG side or the social license side. Um, so in one thing that flexible regulatory framework is is good because it allows for innovation, but it also introduces some risk because. Uh, Projects aren't as certain to be uh, approved or go through effectively. But what I find Mm, when you, when you mentioned a magic wand um, from my perspective in, in, in the regulatory ESG side of things, I believe that there's still too much um, or the world, it would be better, faster and more effective if there's more data sharing. So if government could, could play a role or regulators more, more so could play a role in, in kind of loosening up the, the, the information exchange between the companies that are innovating. Sometimes they're recreating the wheel four different times. Um, whereas it only has to be done once, but, and the, the, the catalyst there would be allowing or creating a framework where information that's readily available within each operator's databases for some of that information to be shared. Um, and that might take a bit of a nudge from regulators. Hmm. Would That's interesting. As, would as we look at this masses of masses amounts of data that we're collecting and having it to be anonymous and, you know, kind of cleansed to the point that we can still get the insights, but it doesn't, doesn't give anybody secret sauce away. I've had a few guests that have leaned towards that. Like once we get that, that democratization of data on a larger scale is where then that shared knowledge of being able to like really leapfrog forward. But that feels like there's still some hoops to get through before we get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we've had, yeah. So that's, 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 that's the, that would advance it um, greatly. I think there's some companies that are looking at that and, and trying to find a solution. So, and, and it, we're a case in point where, we're developing an online platform that that uh, in order to facilitate some of that and um, to kind of bridge those gaps, but it's still it's 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 clunky, and I think it would be a lot faster and, and benefit more people if it was supported by some investment from government to create data sets that are yeah anonymized, so that the the secret sauces aren't being shared or aren't being uh, spread too far. But also just available, available to to uh, to people that want to use it to innovate. I think there's a role there for government or for regulators. Interesting. You, you, you. I was going to ask you the ESG question. You flo- you floated it in. It's hard. It's hard. That, it's hard to have any conversations these days about anything that ESG doesn't come up. Is that a section in my annual ESG report that I'm now putting out to my shareholders? about how I'm managing sound? Like, it, does that fall under there? Are you, are you a section, are you a paragraph in that, in that ESG document? We're, uh, uh, we're, we're definitely ESG, uh, both the E and the S and, or all the E and the S and the G and some of the, some of the best work that, uh, and the, the G rewarding work is, is the G because it really has effect on, on a lot of people mm-hmm. establishing policy that kind of spurs on innovation is where where i think there's a huge prize for everybody because it will directly affect quality life or indirectly over time um so yes we're definitely in the esg space 
As far as the paragraph, it, for, from a noise perspective, um, community involvement, community relations um, is there as a sentence, and then noise depends on the depends on the company. Noise is there as a, as a, as a word uh, sometimes, not always, but it is on the radar. And where it where it manifests itself uh, right now, it's noise is either I, there's a couple pieces there, and I so my definition of noise is sound that's unwanted. Um, so sound is a physical quantity. It's, it's all about physics and science and we can, we can engineer the crap out of sound. The unwanted part is the perception bit. And that is all about people and humans and, and potentially politics. So where kind of noise can manifest itself for a company is that it's, uh, for, or, or a project, even I think of, think of a, a ring road or, uh, I think of a, a major oil and gas development or uh, a wind farm, that type of thing. Where it kind of manifests manifests itself is noise is often not a not a problem for for many people, but there are a few people that it really affects greatly, and it's kind of understanding that that balance of impacts, and noise usually isn't on the radar until it becomes a project killer, and that's where that's where it kind of it shows up in the in the uh, in the ESG space is that it matters uh, not all the time, but when it matters, it matters a ton to people uh to yeah. real humans and uh that's where companies that kind of have been exposed to it those kind of project project defining uh noise risks they tend to have it at a higher higher on their priority list a social license to operate can close it can shut a project down you know what i mean like we live it that wasn't maybe the case 15 years ago even 10 years ago maybe even five years ago <laughs> yeah it can uh, it can and especially if it's amplified through uh through social media or through uh through uh, digital platforms, it, it really can have a big effect and either resulting in a kind of an overcompensation, over design and the mitigation side of things, or else just too much risk and the project just doesn't get backing of the board or the, the investors. Uh, and that's, that's, it's kind of scary, but it's also a little bit, at least from my perspective, from my, my niche, it's a little bit unnecessary too, because sound can be engineered. We can engineer the crap out of sound. It's a matter of kind of understanding how it could connect and all that takes data helps a lot with that. So really create finding out these capturing learnings from all the times we've done this before collectively and applying it to uh, applying it to the next project is where there's a real, uh, real opportunity for Alberta to share its expertise uh, and make projects go better uh, or else um, either internally or with the world as well. Well, it's certainly the theme I'm picking up from everyone I'm talking to. It's just, it's just this, this convergence of the technology, the ability to communicate this quality of the sensors, the ability to now mine the data you mentioned, AI, ML, like all of these kind of subsets of, of, of different modalities of technology that come together to just allow you to not have to listen to VHS tapes in a back room that you recorded one night, you know, thinking, thinking about that's where it came from. I love that as the, as well, here's the before we know what that looked like. And then we had to identify now you've got AI and machine learning to do that, but you've also got 5g networks that can get the data to you in real time. It's just so interesting to see this come together and then how it affects all of these different, you know, your world is a direct impact on people's quality of life in terms of the way it's able to impact the communities and the ability for these projects to also get done in a world where sometimes it feels like we stop our projects in their tracks before they get started for ESG related reasons. You guys are just checking another box to then not, not create a protest potentially in a certain community. If you want to be as blunt about it as that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Great way to great way to summarize it. Yeah, I I think I I, I kind of jumped over you there a minute or two ago because I, I I had another another potential uh, rabbit hole to go down <laughs> uh, related to ESG. Um, is it okay if I go there? For Absolutely, a let's do it. Mm. Yeah. So a lot of the on the ESG side of things, like we we definitely see the applicability in our niche to E and SNG. A lot of the focus is on the energy side right now, like energy efficiency and specifically carbon um, uh, and, and uh, greenhouse gas emissions. So all of those technologies, all of those changes that we have to make to, in order to advance the energy side or the carbon side or the greenhouse gas emission side, all affect, all affect, have effect on noise uh, and potentially affect on quality of life. But there's a few there's a few examples where it it actually there's aligning benefits. So it could it could lower greenhouse gas emissions or energy use, but it also could make the noise quieter or improve quality of life for people. And there's a, those the reason I kind of jumped on it and went down the rabbit hole is because there's that that's pretty exciting. And especially because background my background is a mechanical engineer. They, like if we could find find smart ways to make things better for more th- more people and also uh, impact uh, energy use. That's cool. So the I view I view noise as uh, f- from an energy perspective is just it's 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 a form of waste. It's a form of and really noise is just turbulence or, or vibrations that aren't really they're there. We don't really need them. They're not. They're a byproduct of some other operation. So as we see all these changes happening in the in the energy world. Or even how transportation is done. Uh, electric vehicles is a good example of that. Are there ways to to strengthen the business case for transition by also adding on noise or other quality of life improvements to the mixture, especially as part of the policy discussion? So look at electric vehicles. If we adopted electric vehicles on this time frame, does this mean that we can also invest less of our tax dollars in noise walls and have the same quality of life or can we invest the same amount of noise walls and have a better quality of life if we adopt at a certain rate and uh, that's that's one example another would be there's thousands of industrial industrial cooler fans around Alberta uh, it's used they're, they're they're necessary to process uh, the energy that we we use every day and export um, and there's thousands of these fans are you know, 10, 12, 13 feet in diameter. They use a lot of energy. They make noise as a byproduct of turbulence and that's just an inefficiency. So there's, there's initiatives to make those fans more energy efficient. At the same time, we're also going to get some benefits from noise. And if we could kind of consider those things, but again, by sharing, sharing knowledge, sharing data, sharing insights, it also strengthens the case to transition, um, faster, better. Um, so that, there's a there's a couple examples there. Um, one curious thing on the electrical vehicle, electric vehicle side of things is, at slow speeds they're so quiet that it becomes a safety effect. So we have to kind of add a little bit of noise. Um, but at moderate speeds, the aerodynamic noise, and we found we've we've done some studies, uh, done some electric vehicle studies just to, to kind of help um, help planners understand this potential outcome. And uh, yeah, anyways, we find the aerodynamic noise is is pretty dominant at the at the highway speed, so it really doesn't have an effect on higher speeds. But at lower speeds, it has some effect because it's quieter. But it also we have to add a little bit of noise. So all those interplaying of considerations um, 
really lend themselves well to going into more detail, going into more depth to really understand the, uh, the nuances. And that's where, again, huge data sets, sharing learnings can really be helpful. What I really heard are certainly that perspective is the, the opportunity for like to create a force multiplier that, like you said, it's not just about we increase energy efficiency, which then reduce noise, or we did something that reduced noise, which then made it. So it, it, it starts to prove the case for these projects and kind of create more of a, of a value return opportunity. Cause sometimes it's, you know, why don't we just leave it the way it is? But geez, if we invest here, we're actually going to get these two or three boxes checked now, which kind of makes it more economical. But if we don't bring all that data together and we're able to look, we can't look at it in silos is what I'm hearing you say. We've got to bring all the different perspectives and skills to the table which I do think Alberta inherently is good at that. Like collaboration is one of our superpowers. I often joke, and it, sometimes it's just helping out the company across the street. But if we're all trying to solve the same problem at a different time, but not talking to each other, and then there's all these other auxiliary benefits, it really, it really pitches the case for collaboration and transparency. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all I heard is force multiplier. That's a, that's a great way. It just, it just paints a picture. Yeah. No, Justin, really interesting perspective today on kind of not only IoT, but how you guys fit into IoT. And I think I, I don't have a lot of conversations about noise pollution or about sound or the science of sound and the science of quote unquote noise, which I love. I love your definition of noise as something unwanted. Hence, my music can be noise, but to someone else, it sounds great. <laughs> I think that's a really good example of, of unnecessary. But um Really appreciate you guys sharing. What's the best way if someone's curious to want to learn a little bit more about what you guys are up to or maybe get in touch with you guys for some collaboration? What's the best way for them to get a, get in contact? Yeah, the best way, uh, noise touches so many different industries. Uh, and oftentimes we get questions that are, we never even anticipated the question. So the best play, the best way is probably to reach out on LinkedIn. Uh, reach out to me on LinkedIn and I can kind of connect with the, the team member. We have a fairly diverse team. It focuses whether it's building acoustics or, or oiling energy and oil and gas or even solar farms, which don't make much noise, but they still have a regulatory and perception requirement. Uh, anyways, I could I could probably uh, put put uh, put them in touch with the best expert to chat with. Perfect. Well, I, Justin Kasky at LinkedIn. I'll 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 put the link. We'll put the link in the show notes for people to be able to find you easily. But thanks for taking the time to chat today and for doing some really uh, some cool stuff. Again, like I said earlier, I'm lucky I get to have these interesting conversations. You've kind of opened my world to a different type of thinking around noise and the roles it plays. But I'll, uh, the force force multiplier concept is what I'm kind of taking away from this chat today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, me too. Um, thanks so much for your questions and your insights. Um, and uh, the the phrases I could take away and, and use in, in daily conversations. Again, force, force multiplier is what really sticks with me. Uh, thanks for having me on and uh, really appreciate uh, your time. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Justin. It was an absolute pleasure.